1: As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX this Friday and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now.
2: I want to thank our friends at Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. Panini America has everything you need. A premier collecting experience with the most sought-after NFL and NBA, FIFA, and WNBA trading cards. If you're looking for rookie sensations, they've got that. How about Timeless Legends? They've got that. Panini America also breaking new ground on NIL, featuring the biggest names, Caitlin Clark's in there, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr., and so many more. If you're into cutting-edge digital collectibles, don't miss Panini's NFT platform at nft.paniniamerica.net. Some of the first opportunities to collect this year's Rookie Class, whether you're a collector of physical cards or a digital enthusiast, Panini has you covered. Check out their most popular brands. they got Prism, Select, Donruss, and so many more. And you got Panini Instant Cards celebrating the biggest sports moments on cards right after they happen, such as Draft Night Instant. Visit PaniniAmerica.net or download the Panini Direct app today. Panini America, the official trading cards and NFTs of the Dan Patrick Show. You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. It's hour two on this Tuesday. Morale is high. Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Tim Hasselbeck from the Mothership will look at the New York Jets and the L.A. Chargers following last night's win by the Chargers. Also, Deion Sanders will join us in the final hour of the program. Welcome you to stay as long as you like. 877-3DP-SHOW. Operator Tyler standing by. And uh, good morning to those watching on Peacock, our streaming partner. Download the app if you haven't done so. Sign up for the newsletter. A lot of great items there. Restocking the shelves with some of your favorite T-shirts, including Crappensburg Steak. When the night shift starts, the nightmare begins. Five nights at Freddy's in theaters and streaming now on Peacock. I think that's made close to $200 million so far. Five nights at Freddy's. Mostly because of our promotion. You think so? Oh,
3: we put our weight behind something. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, all right. He's got a poll question that we'll recap from Hour 1, and then uh, a new, a fresher poll question coming up Hour 2. Seton will do those honors right now.
4: Right now, Dan, <laughs> yes. The LA Chargers are the more frustrating franchise between the Chargers and the Jets. Uh, That's at 65%. Now it's up. Okay. Um, And then I think we pivot to uh, one that we threw out a little earlier, if Aaron Rodgers will actually play a game uh, this this season because a lot of reaction to him throwing bombs last night on the sideline.
2: I know. He's throwing 50-yard bombs there last night. Now, cleared to play and playing might be two different things. We've seen that with Deshaun Watson. Cleared to play... But should he play? Yes, Paulie? And don't forget the clear to resume
3: football activities. Mm. Then the subsequent clear to play. Mm-hmm. So we have multiple steps, I think. Okay.
2: All right. Uh, so 877 3DP show. Email address DP at DanPatrick.com. Twitter handle at DP show. Say good morning to those, uh, our uh, radio affiliates Fox Sports Radio, iHeart Radio, nearly 400 cities that carry this program got into a discussion last night and, and it almost morphed into an argument and It had to do with pizza. Because everybody's got their favorite pizzeria. And then if you don't agree with them, then you're the problem. And we're very fortunate in this part of the country, New Haven has three or four of the best pizzerias in the country. And maybe even more than that. It's It's hard to find bad pizza in the area. It's easy to find good pizza. But all of a sudden, it's an off-the-cuff comment, and I mentioned that, uh, you know, hey, I was thinking about going to this place, having pizza tonight with my daughter, and why would you go there? Oh, I don't know. I'd like it. Well, you don't like it better than that? And I go, oh, yeah, yeah, I do. And then all of a sudden, it gets territorial and defensive. I go, hey, it's okay. Like, you can like your pizza. I I like this one. Um, it It's, you know... It doesn't have to you know, be an argument. Uh, who's arguing? I go, you're arguing. I'm just telling you, this is where I'm going to go tomorrow night. Is that okay? Paulie?
3: Do you think people almost always, I think I know the answer, almost always side with the local pizza place they grew up on, and they think it's great because they grew up on it, and they can't be objective?
2: Well, I grew up. In a small town in Ohio, and the pizza wasn't great, but I didn't know it wasn't great until I had great pizza. But when you were—I
3: bet you were—you were nine, and you got pizza. It was a treat. And when you got it, you and your brothers were probably like, "This is awesome." Yeah. Wolf in it.
2: Yeah, yeah. But but then you have pizza in New York or in Connecticut, New Haven. And you go, "Oh wow, that's different." But yeah, people do get territorial that you don't taste what they taste or like what they like. Yes, Ton.
5: I agree with Paul. I think you're also affected with uh, how you grew up and you have memories hanging out with your friends on the weekend or after school or playing in the playground and you go grab a slice. Even if it's not the greatest pizza, the memories and having it convenient near where you grew up is probably part of uh, why you might think something is better than it actually tastes.
2: Yeah, but this isn't about growing up. I didn't grow up in the area. I'm just going to have pizza. But people get angry if you don't like their
3: hometown pizza. Like If they take you there, I took a friend. There's a place called Aurelio's in Homewood where we grew up. And we thought it was just the best. There's a bunch of places in the south side of Chicago. And I brought a friend there from college. He goes, yeah, it's not for me. I'm like, what? And I, you know, I was 21 years old. And I, I was personally, like, upset by, with this guy. But I think that's what happens, like, the guy last night.
6: Yeah.
2: You know, if you're going to get into a fight and the police say, hey, come on, what, what are you guys fighting about? Oh, pizza. You know, that that's not the thing to get into a he fight. He made that
7: deep dish comment and we just
5: <laughs> went at it. You know, just, I'm not going to listen to that. <laughs>
2: Yeah, Yes. Yeah, so put your hands behind your back, please. <laughs> put the sausage down. Can I put? Can I put my pizza down? You put have the my right sh- to remain silent. Yeah, yeah. But in this area, everybody's got their favorite pizza, and you know, God forbid, if you decide that you have something contrary to that. Because now New Haven pizza is too touristy. So if you want real pizza, you got to go outside in New Haven.
4: That's right. just where all the tourists go. Oh God, <laughs> it's just pizza.
3: Yeah, I know. Steve and I both lived at different times in New Haven and went in the early days before it got touristy and popular. And it was, you know, there's a and, but now it's become like a tourist
2: attraction of the state of Connecticut, a real big one. Yeah, but it's still great pizza there. It is. Yeah. I mean, even though it's tourist, I mean, it's not like Times Square where you go in and you go, I'm going to Bubba Gump Shrimp <laughs> or something. But the problem is a lot of them are franchising now. And so
4: the ones that, yeah. like, uh, say, Pepe's, right, you used to have to go to New Haven, and that was the only place you could get it. Well, there's a dozen of them now, and none of them are even remotely as close to good as the original one is. Yeah. But you got to wait 90 minutes in line yeah, to there's, get
2: pizza, which yeah. Sally's some of us and, is a non-starter. Sally's and Pepe's and Modern, those are three of the best in the country. And it's
3: like a crowd draws a crowd. If you go there on the weekends, it's 11 o'clock, these places open, and there's 50 tourists in line, standing in line, and it causes people to want to go there more.
2: Yes, Todd.
5: And all of a sudden, Sabaro got popular. It's in the malls. No, it's at no,
2: the gas station. No, it didn't. With <laughs> you, it did. I like how Todd goes, man, that Sbarro pizza is good. I go for the baked ziti,
5: actually. <laughs> <laughs>
2: baked ziti. Of course you do. They
5: have baked ziti, like yeah. meatball and noodles and all kinds of stuff.
2: Yeah. No, no, I know what's in baked ziti. Thank <laughs> you, Todd. They got a few different dishes there. Nobody loves a chain restaurant like you do. You fill up the gas, you get a Caesar salad and a <laughs> little baked ziti. I like when Todd goes, man, Applebee's. they got everything you need. you know. And I go, okay. He didn't just say noodles, did he? <laughs> he did.
5: they got the pasta there. Yeah. But, but in the Olive Garden, 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 they'll give you all you can know, have, <laughs> soup and salad and they, the breadsticks and the pasta <laughs> that keeps coming so you explode. They'll just keep bringing it to you.
2: Yeah, they bring all the stuff that doesn't cost any money. I guess. How they do they stay bring in They bring business? you lettuce, and they bring you bread and some butter, and then like you fill fifth up.
5: Fifth plate of fettuccine Alfredo they're bringing me.
2: All righty, we're here in the second hour of the program. Headlines, Chargers handle the Jets. Uh, Daniel Jones officially out for the season. The Cubs I, I guess they fired their manager to hire a manager. I don't know if they had an opening there, but Craig Counsel from the Brewers goes to the Cubs. How does David Ross like, what happens? Because I, I don't think there was an opening. And then all of a sudden, they have a new man. It was like, Cubs have a new manager. And I go, well, what happened to the other one? They were two games away from making the playoffs. Uh, God, That's got to be weird. But if you're David, what, what do you do if you're David Ross? I mean, helped you in the World Series. He was a World Series hero. Helped you manage that team through COVID. I mean, he did a lot of great things. Uh, Craig Council... I think was up for a couple of jobs, including the Mets. James Harden has 17, and the Clippers uh, lost his debut for them. I watched a lot of the game. Man, it's bad basketball. It's just, it, it just spacing and threes. Spacing, threes. And you just keep firing. Doesn't matter. Keep firing. You might make them tonight. Uh, if you don't, they'll be the next night. Just keep firing away. But... I thought Harden had moments last night, but you're still, you know, it's going to obviously take time. How about, how about we revisit this in mid-December and we look at this and we go, all right, is this going to work out? The Clippers' starting lineup last night had a combined 32 All-Star games on their resumes. The last time to go to the Madison Square Garden to face the Knicks with at least four starters having five or more All-Star game selections was 2003, the 03 Lakers. Carl Malone had 14, Shaq 10 All Star appearances, Gary Payton 9, and Kobe had 5.
7: Woo! of the day! Stat of the day!
2: of the day brought to you by Panini America, the official trading cards of the Dan Patrick Show. Joel Embiid went off last night, 48-11-6, and six, and then the Joker had 35-14-12. and 12. Another triple double. He now ranks fourth all-time in triple doubles. He's 30 behind Magic Johnson, who he'll probably catch this year. Uh, he broke a tie with LeBron and Jason Kidd. Let that sink in for a little while with the Joker. A center with these triple doubles. And the key really is his passing. He's going to score and he's going to rebound, but the passing, that's the difference there. And uh, it's an oh, by the way. I'm surprised when he doesn't have a triple double. I had a couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Michael in Fort Wayne. Hi, Mike. What's on your mind today?
7: Hey, good morning, Dan.
2: Thanks for taking my call.
7: Last weekend, I was driving through Ohio and had the opportunity to uh, spend a good quality hour listening to your podcast um, that you did with um, Aaron and Chris, uh, Calm Down, um, I believe it's called, and thoroughly enjoyed that interview an awful lot. Uh, One thing that I noticed in there, you talked an awful lot about your love for the art of interviewing, Mm -hmm. and there are some shows out there that are um, on podcasts and TV shows today that will utilize artificial tools during their interview to open their guest up and make them more likely to give candid answers such Would, as eating increasingly spicy wings or something like that. Huh. And I want to know what you think about that. Is the art of the interview uh, made stronger or weaker by using artificial tools like that to open people up?
2: Well, I don't think there are many shows that have something they lean on or a crutch and, and that's a fun show. I mean, it's really about, you know, the, the food itself, not the questions to open you up. I don't know how many other, you know, other shows may provide liquor. I remember Jimmy Kimmel's show many, many years ago when I was out there. He had a bar and, you know, encouraging you, have a drink before you went on, which I didn't. But uh, for the most part, I don't know how many shows are leaning on something artificial to get you to open up. Yes, you
4: I think, too, you could say that every show uh, or at least every interviewers who are care about doing a good interview use tools to some degree. Like uh, sometimes they, it looks on the surface like a softball question. But if you ask somebody, so what kind of car are you driving? It's not a softball question. You're loosening them up to talk about something that they don't want to talk about, like something easy. All oh, right. Oh, I just bought. What's the first car you ever bought? It's not necessarily important, but it's a tool to loosen somebody up to then say, and so when did you start
2: using steroids? Whoa, I didn't see that coming. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I already know the first question I'm asking Dion Sanders next hour. I already know it. And is it to loosen him up or surprise him or no, I just think this is the the timing of this is a the pertinent question, the right question. But I I ask questions where and Seaton's right. Sometimes you're just trying to get them to talk a little bit. I want you to get out of being a coach speak or athlete speak. Uh, You know, maybe it's not a football question. Uh, I remember asking Coach Saban. First thing I said was, what were you listening to this morning coming into work? And he starts telling me about music. Okay. And then he talked about playing air guitar at his lake house. Yeah, see, and just that has already gotten him out of his
4: coach speak mind. Yeah, just that, like, oh man, ZZ Top is my favorite band, or whatever it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's already gotten him away from his. Well, you know, LSU's is a good opponent, and we gotta beat them
2: blood uh, on nil. And uh... but imagine this, though. The people I interview are interviewed more than anybody else in America. Deion Sanders interviewed all the time. Nick Saban all the time. If, if, if you're having them on, how do I get you out of what is their comfort zone? Because if they're just going to give coach speak, then there's no reason to have them on. I want them to give me something and have a conversation with them. And if I, was, if I sat down with Nick Saban, it wouldn't be all football questions. It would be probably about life. Or Dion, it would be something more than just football. So why not, if if you have the time, the luxury, then that's really the key. If I have 10 minutes and I can't get something out of somebody, then it's on me. But, you know, give me an hour, and I can get a whole lot out of people. But I don't have that luxury here. But if that show about hot wings is really about, you know, how spicy it is, and great, I don't care. I mean, I, I'm not tuning in to go, well, oh, let me see, is this 60 minutes worthy? No, it's entertainment. And plus, everybody has their own approach to these things. My approach is different than most people. But I do care about the person I'm interviewing, and that's where you start, because then it's not about your questions, it's about their answers. And that's always been my approach. But, hey, whatever works for you, that's what I always say. Uh Kurt in Pennsylvania, then we'll take a break. Hi, Kurt. How are you today? Yes, Dan. Thank you for taking my call. Mm-hmm.
6: Uh big fan, first time caller. I have uh follow-up advice for the uh father of the bride. And uh my my daughter got married a month ago in Chicago, and my speech was four minutes. But here's how I opened up. I took a quote Directly from a sports documentary, the subject being Mike Vec, not Mike Vick. Mike Vec, son of Bill Vec, mm-hmm. and he was the owner of the White Sox. He said, "Being a father, everyone can relate to this. A girl comes up to you, shows you her hand, and before you can." Uh, Before you can blink an eye, she reaches into your chest cavity, pulls your heart out, shows it to you, and says, you probably think this belongs to you, (laughs) but you're wrong. This is mine. And she's totally right, and that's how I opened up, and it was a killer.
2: Well, you're having a hard time getting through this. I can't imagine what it was like a month ago getting through this. No, I was good then. Good. Good for but, you. Uh, yeah, I'm nervous. I'm nervous. Oh, okay. Uh, but not then. You're more nervous now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I watched the Mike uh, Veck documentary, and it's wonderful. And he talks about losing his daughter. And his daughter was there with him when he's trying to revitalize his career in minor league baseball. And his daughter was always there with him. And then, you know, she died. I. Uh, Thinks she might have been 30 years of age, but he does talk about that, that your heart doesn't belong to you. It belongs to your daughter. All right. woo! All right. Take a break. Let's talk some football, okay? Tim Hasselbeck will join us coming up here in a little bit. Back after this, Dan Patrick Show. Fox
1: Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com.
9: It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
2: Back by popular demand, Tim Hasselbeck. Great appearance last time he was on, former NFL quarterback, and uh, works for the Mothership, uh, also the ACC Network. He will be uh, in Chapel Hill. It's Duke in North Carolina coming up this Saturday on the ACC Network. Let me start with last night here. Let's start with the Jets. Can you pinpoint one major problem with this team? Like, what's the one that stands out?
5: Uh, um listen, I'm trying not to be crazy obvious. Look, I think the, I mean, the quarterback is a big major issue. Uh, it's just surprising to me. I think I, I see guys play sometimes, Dan, and it's like they're unlocked. They're free. They're, you know, they're not worried about making mistakes. And I just feel like there's an element sometimes when you watch other guys that they're just paralyzed. Like, I know they're better players than what we see. I know they're better athletes than what we see, but there's just something whether like the building or the game plan or whatever it is has just made them feel like, all right, they just want me to not screw up. Like, that's what they want me to not do. And I think when you do that, just not as good. Like, just there's an element of being, you know, relaxed and confident that I think, you know, there's a carefree to be able to play the position sometimes that I think is
2: important. But when you go to the line of scrimmage and you're thinking about blocking assignments, you're thinking about the pass rush, I mean, he's forced to think about other things. I don't know if he can have tunnel vision when he goes up there and goes, Hey, it's just like when I was at BYU. I don't have to worry sure. about anything. I can freelance. He doesn't have that opportunity with as bad as that offensive line is.
5: Yeah, no, that I mean listen, that's fair. Pass protection. I mean, just look around the league. Guys that play well, oftentimes it's because that week like they've got a clean pocket. I mean there's just about everybody that's playing in the league is going to do better in that environment. I think what I'm more referring to is like um look you look at some of these quarterbacks that go out there. I'll give you like um uh, the kid in Chicago, Badger this week. I thought there was a carefreeness to how he played, like, which surprised me a little bit based on how he struggled the week before. I, I think you look at Josh Dobbs and like, you come into that environment. And it's like, listen, man, like I'm not going to bog myself down and slow myself down by thinking about all the bad things that might happen. Like I, I, there's an element of cutting it loose and I'm not saying be reckless. But I think there's an element of guys just looking hesitant at times. And I just, I feel like you see that a little bit with Zach. And I think because of the O line, because of just some of the things they're dealing with, like you need him, you need his athleticism and his ability to be an asset, not something that doesn't shine through.
2: What is the major motivation for Aaron Rodgers to try to come back this year?
5: Um,. Listen, I think you just run out of time age injury like an appreciation for look like, how old he is what he's been through in his career and then you know look i think everybody that has had success like he's had or close to it like there's this chip right that in competitiveness that's different than other players like there are plenty of people that are like look i'm making a lot of money i'm going to get better i'll see you next year but i think there's an element of look, I just did something that no one else has done. I I think really, really great players are motivated by things like that. So, um, yeah, I think that those are probably the things that factor into him the most.
2: Feels like he wants to prove something modern medicine-wise. Like, that's really important. That's why he's out there throwing the football. He wants you to see. He wants you to chronicle this. He wants this to go viral. And look, you know whatever his interpretation of modern medicine is and what he's pushing and what he believes in good for him because if it works for him that's all that matters it feels like that might be at the the front of this that i want to i want to get back i don't know if he can play and help them if he should mm-hmm. come back and play but it feels like there's a couple of different motivations at least you know, from the outside looking in.
5: Yeah, and and listen, I I think, you know, we're probably both speculating that that would be the case. But how about this? Like, I don't disagree with you. So think about great players in that. When Adrian Peterson came back from his ACL injury and it was six months, what did we do? Look at Adrian Peterson. This guy's not human. He's coming back from that injury after six months. And then next thing you know, it's like Wes Welker does his ACL. Like, oh, how fast is Wes coming back? And now all of a sudden, Like, that's changed the game where we go, guy tore his ACL? Like, so what, man? Like, six months? He's going to be better than he was before. And, like, that doesn't happen with, like, the journeyman player. Like, that's not the – but it's the great player that does it. And now, all of a sudden, he changes everyone's expectation for it. So, like, I think you're right. You know, like, only Aaron would really be able to tell us. But, like, if he changes the game in terms of tearing your Achilles and how you come back – that's a big deal to someone like him, I bet.
2: Daniel Jones tearing his ACL. What do you, let me put you in the front office with the Giants. What are you going to do at the quarterbacking position?
5: Yeah, look, I, I think you need to, um, look, I, I don't think they've had their guy. I think the contract this year, like, I just haven't felt that way. Um, look, I, I think the success last year was a little bit of fool's gold. I think Daniel's tough and competitive and all that. And have a ton of respect for a guy that tears his ACL and I think tries to keep playing, not knowing how badly he hurt himself. Like, everyone's got to understand, like, like that's the type of competitor he is. That's great. But I know this. Like, you mentioned the game I have this weekend. I know a lot of people talk about Caleb Williams. Drake May is, to me, about as perfect of a prospect that I have ever seen in 15 years at ESPN. Like I, Like, there are good quarterbacks coming out in this draft. You're going to have a bad team. I understand. You know, you you resigned Daniel Jones to a, a you know big contract last year and all of that. I think if you're in the market for one of these guys, that I believe is going to be really really good, I think you got to get involved in that game. And Drake May, for me, Dan would be at the top of the list.
2: Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN ACC football analyst, former NFL quarterback. Let me stay on that because I think Orlovsky. Uh, we've had a couple of analysts who have been it, – it felt like it. we moved away from Caleb Williams because we wanted to bring in other quarterbacks into the conversation. And then I wondered, Michael Penix, Jr. and Caleb, uh, you know, is it 1A, 1B, 1C, in your opinion, with these quarterbacks?
5: Uh, here's what I think. I think in the evaluation process of these guys – well, first off, all three of them ridiculously talented, right? right? And I think a lot of people are going to say, yeah – guy's good enough productive enough projects enough to be a first rounder i think when people sit down and talk to drake may i think that it it's gonna look like there's nothing wrong with them i think when you talk through I, he's gonna be a better pro than college player uh his size his athleticism the way he moves like he to me is already like will be in a class of just physically talented and then also like like uh size ability how he sees things to herbert and mahomes and josh allen those guys that are like every bit of you know six four to six six run crazy see it well you know insanely competitive like he's gonna beat like that he's checking all of those boxes and then he's just a young kid still that i think is going to get better in the pros when you can control the game because of how smart he is. So okay. Okay. I'm going to give you the number one
2: pick, game. Tim. Tim, you're the Cardinals. You're on the clock.
5: Yeah. I'm taking him Taking Drake May. Yeah.
2: Okay. That's a quick answer. You know,
5: <laughs> I am. Yeah. So, you know, I, I listen, I, I think that, look, I haven't, because I do ACC games, Dan, I, you know, obviously, you know, I haven't had a Washington game. I haven't had an SC game. But, you know, I'm watching the stuff like everybody else. I just know that, you know, from talking to people um, and, like, seeing what he's like in the building and just his competitive nature combined with his ability. Like, he does things that other guys just don't do that I think really translates to the to the next level.
2: Let me ask you a couple of uh, NFL questions. Um, how does Baltimore feel? Physically dominate. You know, they dominated the the Lions and they dominated Seattle. Those are teams that I wouldn't think would yeah. be physically yeah. dominated. What is it that Baltimore is doing, and what makes them a sneaky Super Bowl pick?
5: Yeah, I, I mean, I think defensively, we all would probably agree they've got an aggressive, physical front. So, like, look, that they're not going to get bullied by anybody on that side of the ball. And then I think offensively, you know, as much as we've talked about. Hey, this passing game is going to be different. And I think that there are elements of, um, you know, in-the-pocket passing that have definitely improved because of the nature of what they can do offensively with their personnel, meaning, look, the guys up front, their tight end, their fullback, the backs that they have, and then the threat of what the quarterback can do, giving you a number count advantage in the run game Like, run game is numbers and angles, you know? And so they get extra uh, elements of that because of their quarterback. That helps you be physical. And then they've done a good job of some of the passing game stuff off of it. So I think that that um, is what makes them special, what makes them a team that could beat Kansas City, could beat Miami, could beat any of these other teams in the AFC on the way to the Super Bowl.
2: Who do you have a better sense of who they are, the Dolphins or the Cowboys?
5: um i think i have a better sense of who the dolphins are uh than the cowboys and i I will say this like i actually came away sunday night more impressed with dallas than less impressed like i think it was easy to be like hey i'm gonna focus on this last 70 seconds of the football game and be like oh dallas what a disaster but really i was like I saw a quarterback play extremely well. I thought Dak did a good job running when he needed to run. He certainly passed the ball extremely well. I thought that the defense did a good job of not allowing Philadelphia to run the football. Like I, I, you know, there are obviously elements that that game could have been different. So I do think I'm encouraged by Dallas. But what I do know about, like, I know there's an identity in Miami, like, of what they want to do, how they want to do things, and I think that. It takes a lot for them to get away from that. Whereas, like I feel like with Dallas, you could get a game where you know Pollard has 28 carries, and then you could get a game where there's six carries. Like I just don't think that you're that unsure about what you might see uh, for Miami.
2: You played under Andy Reid in Philly. You played under Steve Spurrier in Washington. What's the <laughs> What's the biggest difference between those two?
5: Uh, um. Well, I would say this. The the one constant, (laughs) before I go there, the one constant is, like, I think both guys actually did a great job of having you be, like, relaxed. Talking about quarterbacks getting paralyzed and stuff. Like, I think Coach Burr, because he played the position, you know, he was great at getting guys open. He wanted you to be relaxed. Andy does the same exact thing. Um, You know, I just would say probably the biggest thing with Andy is even though he is relaxed, like, there's no stone unturned. Like, the level of detail for a guy that's very relaxed, that keeps team meetings really short, um, I think is remarkable. That's a really hard balance of not being somebody that's like, hey, you know, don't forget to do this, but don't forget to do that. And, oh, yeah, go hey, If the safety's high, then remember, we're checking this. Like, and all of a sudden, like, you can paralyze somebody. Like, he's details – but also relaxed, you know, I think that's, that's really cool. So, Hey, I want to do this. I was listening to the show, Dan, and I don't, I I don't, I can't, I can't get off this segment without being like, thank you for your, um, your, your advice on, you know, father of the bride speeches, groomsmen speeches. Like I, I was at, you know, I've been at so many weddings. I left one, uh, not that long ago with my brother. And it was like, Hey, listen. There should be a college class on on rehearsal dinner speeches or wedding speeches. Like, we don't need need to hear about the time that like you were nearly arrested after the Limp Biscuit concert. Like, we don't need that. Like, now's not the time. Like, give the compliment. Like, it's okay, right? Let's go. <laughs>
2: Have you ever given a speech, best man I- speech?
5: I, I've given a best man speech, brother's wedding, friend's wedding. I've uh, I have a daughter who's in high school, so I'm not there yet. But like I heard you talking about, like where you'll be one time with that. Like, listen, it, I'm showering with praise at that point. Okay, like <laughs> yeah. that, like yeah. I, I'm not I'm not going in. It's not the time to 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 give a hard time.
2: You didn't give me your favorite Spurrier story you have to have a few of those
5: I, I i have a very good Spurrier story um we were we were playing the giants i don't know if i told this before we we're playing the giants and it snowed like five inches uh in new york the night before so they plow the the field before the game but it's freezing cold and uh and then you know it's the second half and it's freezing out still and i just remember i'm i'm sitting on the bench um, you know they got the heaters coming out of them, and I'm right next to Lavernia Scolls, and Coach Spurrier comes over to us, and our defense is on the field. It's like third down, and um, and we're freezing, and he's facing the two of us, and he's freezing, and LC looks up at him, and he's like, "Hey, coach," and he kind of moves over, and he's like, <laughs> "You can sit down if you want," and he's like, "Oh, LC, I wish that I could. I wish that I could."
2: <laughs> He was different. He was different. He, he didn't care about the defense. Did he even know the guys' names on the defense there in Washington?
5: Uh, I'm sure he knew the names. I will say this, and I know you know that time didn't work out, but I feel like you know there's something to learn from any good coach. He obviously is a really, really good coach, and um, there are a lot of things I learned from him. And um, <laughs> listen, every 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 level is different. Every Situation is different, but uh, at least for me, it was a lot of fun for me to play for.
2: Yeah. Safe travels down there to uh, North Carolina. Thanks for joining us again, Tim. Cool.
5: Thanks, Dan.
2: Tim Hasselbeck, ESPN, also working for the ACC, former NFL quarterback. Uh, he's got Duke of North Carolina. Tim's in love. Tim's in love with Drake May. You know, we had Ryan Leaf who said, I'm taking Michael Penix Jr. I think Orlovsky said, I'm taking Drake May. Tim Hasselbeck, I'm taking Drake May. Yeah, Paulie?
3: I would say that four months ago, uh, Caleb Williams was one of the biggest sure things, number one draft picks of of our lifetime. I mean, that, it's hard to remember that, but for, there wasn't even a topic four months ago. He would have been better off almost not playing this year or being injured with his stock or something. I don't know what's going on, but I don't know if this is a, a media's opinion or NFL opinion, but it's it's changed a lot.
2: Yeah, and I, don't, I, I think he's more valuable this year to his team than he was last year. I think he's been asked to do more. Tried to do more, and that defense didn't help out. Um, it feels like Drake May, though, has not been in the spotlight. And when you're in the spotlight, more people are going to pick pick you apart. And I think that's what's happened with Caleb Williams, that there may be – we've seen this, but, man, what he does is special. And, and Michael Penix is really talented, too. His ball placement, I mean, that's all next-level stuff uh drake may i mean bo nix is going to be in the mix i don't know where Dion's son Shadur sanders probably end of the first round i although i found it strange where mel kuyper after Shadur sanders had a couple of big games oh he's going to be a first round pick well was he a first round pick at jackson state or because he looked good against nebraska and tcu and is he still a first round pick i got everybody jumped on the colorado bandwagon like oh my god they're gonna compete for a national championship Shadur sanders you know, like Heisman candidate, like, you know, slow down with all of this. Um, and, and it's almost like the media expectations got too high after TCU that Colorado was chasing that and still chasing that. So when they lose these games like last weekend, like, I'm not surprised because they're not a good team. They're an interesting team, they're not a good team, consistent team. And I'll talk to Dion about that. They just don't have, you know, the, the military, you know, it's like having the army. You got the Air Force and the Navy. They need the army there as well to help them. All right, we'll take a break back after this.
1: Be sure to catch the live edition of The Dan Patrick Show, weekdays at 9 a.m. Eastern, 6 a.m. Pacific, on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app.
7: He's Mike Harmon. I'm Dan Byer. We have a brand
5: new fantasy football podcast called I Want Your Flex.
4: And there's so much more to get. You can get unique stickers. You can trade with friends to compete
9: It's all your favorite sports in one place. Restrictions apply. Prime membership required for add-on subscriptions. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.
2: Don't look now, but the Minnesota Timberwolves might be a sneaky good team this year. In case you're wondering, the Timberwolves beat the Celtics in a six-day span. They have defeated the Nuggets and the Celtics. Just throwing it out there. Um... Anthony Edwards is legit. I just don't know about supporting Cass there, but uh do like him a lot.
3: Yes, Paul. Early NBA standings. It's only what five, six games. Which team is leading the entire the entire league in win differential, win point differential. Like they're winning the games by the most amount of points. They're averaging uh their every average win is a fourteen point five
2: result. Uh, Boston Celtics. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> it is a little too early. But, I know six yeah. games. Yeah, <laughs> uh, Lakers lost again. Uh, just yeah. throwing that out there. Like Anthony Davis got hurt again.
3: They're the 10th seed right now. A little
2: early. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how many how many games has Zion Williamson played back to back? Is he up to two now? What did we say? He had to play at least ten in a row before we were going to comment on the Pelicans. I think he played like five. Four in a row, and then missed a game, and now it's two in a row. Should we start a counter going? Or <laughs> Zion consecutive. It? It's
3: like at a workplace, consecutive days without an accident. Yeah. They always put that sign up. OSHA.
2: <laughs> Otto in L.A. Hi, Otto. What do you have for me today?
6: Hi. Hey, guys. How are you doing? Good. 5'10", uh, five t- five, 250. <laughs> Lower body like a young Jerome Bettis. Okay. <laughs> um. um I live I'm from Atlanta, but I live in LA. I have season tickets to the Chargers. We should have fired Brandon State last year, man. It's just watching this watching this team it's just really bad. They're just wasting Justin Herbert's uh talent. Brandon Stade is supposed to be a defensive guru. The defense is terrible. Unlike last night, it looked like the eighty five Bears
2: last night against the Jets, but Wait, you're four think, and four, you just won the game, Otto. Are yeah, Against uh, the Jets. <laughs> okay but the same jets who beat the eagles right and that, and that was more
6: by, um <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: that i know what it... you're doing otto thank you for the phone call i know what you're doing you don't want to be hurt at the end of the season you're preparing for the worst Chargers are four and four you host detroit at green bay host baltimore at new england host denver at the raiders what if you win four of those games Three of those games? You've always been pro-Charger. Yeah, yes. Much to my detriment. You know what it is? It's the uniforms. I think even when the Chargers disappoint you, when they don't play well, you still go, man, those are great uniforms. Do we do that with any other franchise? Where we go, God, those are great uniforms. North Carolina football? Yeah. They disappoint, but man, they look nice. Yeah. It's like, you know, if you're going to have style points when you lose... It always feels like the Chargers. God, they look sharp. The colors,
4: yeah, along with the the bolt and the number on the helmet,
2: fire. They look like a winning franchise. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Baker and uh, Bozeman. Hi, Bake.
1: Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning, Fritzy. Um, so, so Danny, you know you you are one of the most innate, uh, gifted interviewers in in my experience. You and Mark Marin are the two. That have the ability to make people feel like they've known you forever, and I, it's a gift of yours. And I say all of that to say the last thing you need is my suggestion of a question for Dion Sanders but <laughs> I would love to, <laughs> but I do have a question that I would love to to hear Dion address because and I think at the end, in terms of you know last last week when Josh Daniels was terminated, you said. You know, uh, people can be a a good uh, assistant coach or they can, you know, be be a a good coordinator. Doesn't mean, they're going to be a good head coach because as a head coach, you need to be a CEO. I think Dion, Dion is a great CEO from what he's demonstrated at Colorado. And so my point is, I think down the road, years down the road, if he goes to the pros, people naturally would think of him with the Cowboys. I can't imagine him wanting to be the coach for Jerry Jones, who has the history of micromanaging.
2: I agree. I agree. Um, and I, I, you know, I got to figure out how to broach the topic with Dion about coaching in the NFL, but, um, and thank you for the comparison. Mark Marin does a wonderful job on his podcast. So Dion will join us coming up next hour. We'll get to more phone calls as well. I think uh, we'll have a fresh poll question for you as well. Sign up for the newsletter. Backroom guys do a wonderful job led by, of course, Mario. Two hours in the books, one more to go on this Tuesday with Fritzy, Seton, Marv, Paulie, and yours truly.